as time passes and the world and our relationships shift and change, it's obvious that many expectations and assumptions that were taken for granted by our parents and grandparents, let alone our ancestors from the 16th or 17th centuries, are now a part of history. And the last year and a half created an unexpected time and atmosphere to think about our lives, our beliefs, our mortality, and our immortality. All of our no notions of how the world works or how the world should work and are probably not the same as they were in July of 2019. Behaviors and attitudes concerning gender and race and color and place of origin have shifted tremendously during our lifetimes. And what may now seem obvious to us was not so obvious to those before us, and even not so far before us. When I recall events of my early professional life, I can remember attitudes and behaviors and requirements that on some level seem medieval. Some are even illegal now. I speak to this today because I've had this long forced retreat. There is a blessing in being isolated, perhaps with another person or two, a stack of boo, books and a Zoom meeting, maybe written exchanges with family and friends. We've all been on retreat and it seems to have decelerated the ways in which the parts of the world relate to each other. Instead of personal encounters, we viewed at a distance. Instead of pushing everything along as usual, we've been curbed into our own little yards. We've had time to question many things. Just the awareness that out there was an invisible speck of something that could make us very sick, possibly end our lives, is an effective method of encouraging reflection and evaluation. So perhaps I, I come to the readings today quite differently than I might have in 2017 or 18 or 19. I certainly may be coming to them in a way that the seminary and the church usually don't. I'm not speaking of any specifics of today's reading from the prophet Samuel or the Psalm about David, but I am finding that I'm reading these sacred writings more like historic documents than advice intended for my own life, my own faith, or my own behavior. It's not just that they're old. It's not that they are repetitious. It's not that I don't believe they are sacred texts. It's that I feel they are not focused on what I believe is the work of the church. I believe that when Jesus told his disciples after the resurrection to love God and to love their neighbors as they love themselves, and that the law and prophets are based on these two precepts, he was telling us to focus our study, our belief, our faith, and our behavior on this new dispensation. David is right to want a safe and holy place to hold the sacred texts of Judaism, and we need to understand his place in the history of Judaism 
for he was the human ancestor of the house of Joseph. But if we presume to weigh the words of all the prophets and law as equal to the final admonition of our Savior, I find it hard to understand and hard to believe. So you see my dilemma. The long discourses and regulations, prayers and questions, mistakes and victories recounted in the Hebrew Bible's books become difficult to treat quite the same as what we learn from the story of Jesus, his followers, and what they taught. Not to build a home for the parchment containing the Jewish holy books, but to make a space in our hearts and lives to focus on loving the creator of the universe and loving other people as much as we love ourselves. The writers here are granting to Jesus the presumption that we do all love ourselves, and it's perhaps there that we should begin our study, responsibilities, and actions. Paul reminds the followers of Jesus in the church in Ephesus, a building, a, a bustling trade center on the west coast of what's now Turkey, that they were once without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants. Those Christians in Ephesus, like the followers in Los Gatos, were not people of the Jewish covenant. But the Ephesians, like us, were welcomed into the circle of divine love by Christ, who made both groups into one and broke down the dividing wall. And I hear this as Jesus' instruction to look forward to the new dispensation and not backward to the old. How can we love ourselves? And if we do, what can we put into action in loving others in the same way? We want to be happy, we want to be loved, we want to be sheltered, physically, mentally, emotionally. We want to be fed physically, mentally, emotionally. We must then determine ways in which we can love, shelter, feed, protect, and heal other people. That's surely the message of the final admonition of our Lord. We have plenty to do if we try to make even a tiny dent in that list. The love of God is manifest in the love of Jesus for us. And he has told us, his followers, that it is our work to carry this love into the world. Not the ancient world of kings and slaves and outcasts, but this new world we have been given, where we can espouse that final commandment again and again. We know it isn't easy. We know all our attempts will fail in some way, but it is the heart of our faith. I don't think for a minute that we're supposed to believe that woman was made from a man's rib or that a snake is Satan in disguise. And I believe that while, of course, other directives and decisions of the Hebrew scriptures are not quite so out of line with our notion of the world, some are basic. Don't kill people, animals, trees, rivers. You know the list. Honor your parents. Don't curse God. Don't tell lies. All good advice. But for us Christians, the list is shorter. Love God and all that that entails and love each other.
all of the others. The former rector of St. Paul's Church in Salinas, Tom Woodard, used to say that he liked churches that posted the title of next Sunday's sermon on a board outside their churches. And he wanted to put his own biblical quotation out there. Hang all the law and the prophets. I've been thinking perhaps that that's not necessarily a joke. There are a lot of great stories in the Hebrew Bible. They're part of the common wisdom and background of most of modern life in Europe and the Western Hemisphere. We should know them. They are the basis of our faith, since they're the holy texts of our Savior. They are one of the common threads of what is called Western culture, like Shakespeare's plays, the writings of the Greek philosophers. And they stand apart for us from those because they were the holy texts studied and quoted by Jesus. But he did not finally tell his disciples to read them or preach on them or use them as the basis of their ministry. Those he told about love and healing. Those he told to feed his sheep. And in the passage from Mark's Gospel today, we see just how hungry those sheep are. They follow and line up for healing, for food, for love. They have needs and they know that Jesus and his followers can help to fill them. The disciples are weary from spreading the good news, feeding God's sheep, doing what Jesus told them to do. Let's try to remember that he is telling us the same thing. I believe we need to focus on what our church does hang on. Loving God with all our hearts and souls and minds and second, loving our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. It's surely more rewarding and probably more challenging than reading the book of Deuteronomy and the life you saved may be your own. Amen. Oh,